0: Welcome to 5th Draw Wild, everybody. I'm your host, Matt. And before we get to our episode this week, we just had a couple of announcements. The second episode of Hard Reboot, the new podcast where Jake Mason, Alan Sells, and myself pitch reboots of public domain properties, is coming out this Friday. Why don't you give it a listen? And secondly, over the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing some new voices to the podcast, including this week. If you'd like to be on the podcast, or if you know someone who's passionate about a topic, why don't you point them towards our website? We'd love to have more people on. We really do want to make this show as inclusive as we can. And the more unique voices we have, the better it'll be. And now, enjoy the show. And with us today, we have new guest, John. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely, man. I'm glad you could come on. Um, today, we're going to be talking about kind of a segment of the role-playing Genre, and that's going to be the superhero RPG, uh,
1: John. Kind of, what's your experience with superhero RPGs? Okay, so my experience goes back to uh, 2009, where I first picked up the book Munes and Masterminds. Uh, I ran it for uh, some friends in my uh, university role-playing club and it was lots of fun and eventually i just kept playing uh superhero games and finding new and better systems and uh now it's kind of the thing i'm known for in my uh, circle of friends of oh you want to play a superhero game you go talk to john that's not a bad label to have you know and all things considered So,
0: before we dive into the five games we're going to look at today, I guess just kind of a boilerplate on the off chance that someone here uh, isn't familiar with RPGs. um, RPG role-playing games are kind of systematic make-believe. Make-believe with rules and dice. Um, It's probably the best way I've heard them described. And if you're not familiar with them, I would strongly advise you to, uh, to, uh, to fix yourself. Uh, get yourself right because you are not living your best life until you've uh, you've dived into that pool. Um,
1: so with that little boilerplate out of the way, uh,
0: John, what's the first RPG we're going to look at today?
1: So uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I started my my superhero role playing with the system and Masterminds, specifically the second edition. And so just a little uh, a little disclaimer beforehand, I have some issues with that system now having played it for several years and like i'm not going i i'm not going to badmouth anybody who likes it and again i've the third edition is the current edition and i've only really had experience with the second so i i want people to to know going in that i don't hate the system and i don't think it anybody like i don't want to tell you how to play your games but i am going to be bringing up some of the reasons why i've stopped playing it
0: yeah, and, and kind of just general thing there, man, play the games you want to play. No, no shame at all uh, on, on anyone that, you know, chooses to play mm-hmm. like D&D 3.5 or Pathfinder. I, you know, if, if, that's, if that's what you enjoy, you go right ahead. And I'll keep Savage Worlds all to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh,
1: Mutants and Masterminds. Um, so where did Mutants and Masterminds come from? Well, it's, uh, it's funny you should mention 3.5 and Pathfinder because Mutant Masterminds is a D20 based uh, superhero game that kind of evolved from that 3.5 open game license where Wizard said, hey, as long as you include this page of legal text, you can basically make any game using our system. So
0: Oh, the OGL, OGL was some crazy days. Uh, some weird stuff came out of that.
1: Munition Masterminds very clearly has its roots in that 3.5. You've got your your standard stat block, your strength, dexterity, constitution, wisdom, charisma, intelligence, uh, three saves, your, uh, well, reflex, will, and... Uh, fortitude. Fortitude, yeah. Uh, so the one thing that Munition Masterminds did to kind of differentiate itself I mean, one of several things. It's a real different game. Like, uh, instead of hit points, what Mutant Masterminds runs on is what's called the toughness save system, where when you got attacked, you would roll a save to resist damage, and then as you failed by small margins, the save would get harder and harder until eventually you would get knocked out or killed in some cases. But so uh that's how it was supposed to work in theory. One of my critiques of the system is that it tended to be very swingy in that there would be those times when uh on average characters would just weather blows and take no damage forever until you messed up a single roll and then died. Yeah horribly yep yeah that that was one thing that that kind of got me to uh move on from the system but it, it does have like some some things that it does really well so uh the first thing i will say is that making a character your character when you're done feels real powerful
0: that's that's a that's something i think we'll come back to yeah you know, throughout is with with this being superhero rpgs that, that feels like that should be like one of the prime things that all of these systems should do, is that when you're done, your dude should feel like a superhero and not just a guy with toys.
1: Yeah, and it, you definitely get that feeling. The The power creation in master Masterminds, at least in the core book, is a little bit deceptive because they tend to uh, write the same power four or five times and just sit and just change the uh the, the paint on it. So th- there's like a power called blast, which is basically attack at range. And then later on and it'll say fire blast. And this mechanically it's the same power. They've just tacked the word fire onto the front of it. And lightning blast and ice blast and yeah. Um the the point where those like descriptors really come in is the probably my favorite part of the system, which is um the alternate power feat. So like and Pathfinder, your character can have feats, and then they can have specific feats for specific powers. But the alternate power feat basically says, hey, you see all these points you've put into this uh, power? Oh, and I guess I should mention, the the way you build characters, unlike 3.5 Pathfinder, is you're given a pool of points, and you can basically... Just throw those points wherever you want. You want good stats, you throw your points into stats. You want skills, you can throw points into there. If you want to just have all of the best powers, you can throw all your points into your powers. Okay, so it's strictly a point-by system? Yeah, no classes, no races, just take your points and and make exactly who you want. Which is, uh, It was another thing that really drew me to the system because that was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. Up to that point, it had been all 3.5 and D20 modern, and you pick your yeah your race and your class, and then it's all you know feat selection and skill choice, and you're kind of locked into your archetype pretty hard there. So uh, it was really refreshing to have the the flexibility of you know I can conceive of a character and build that character. Um, But going back to alternate power, basically. It was a feat where you threw one point onto that power and then it said, okay, take all the other points you've spent up to this point and make a new power that's kind of related to it. So I think um, probably my the, the best example of this would be like uh, the super speed power where you go really fast. But it said, okay, so as an alternate power, what if instead of just running real fast, you ran real fast and punched everything within a certain area?
0: Okay, love it. I mean, that just seems like the
1: best application of super speed. Yeah. And and then it was like, okay, well, what if instead of just running on land, you could run on water? And it kind of, you know, ex- did a bunch of things. And then it had, well, what if you're like the Flash and you just vibrate real fast and you can become insubstantial?
0: Nice. Okay, so modifiers
1: to the powers kind of deal, right? Yeah. So it was, it, it basically let the, let you say, look. My power does X, but it would also make sense for my power to do Y. So, if I can shoot lasers, it probably makes sense that I could also make a like a big blinding light to blind my opponents as well. Um, so that was a really uh, like that's one of the ways it really made you feel like you had like a lot of power, even if you didn't spend a lot of points. It was very very point efficient. The other, um, the other thing that it did really well is it had a rule called countering powers where you could say, well, this person is using an ice power and I have a fire blast. So I can just use my fire blast to just make the ice blast stop in a kind of like active defensive kind of way where it's like, you know, it says on my sheet that the... You know, it, the fire blast does this much damage, but, you know, it makes sense that this power counters this power Pokemon style, you know, fire beats ice and so on and so forth. So um, that was really cool. And um then things like it, the rabbit hole goes deeper when they released a book called Ultimate Power, which basically broke down how they built all these different powers into like individual effects and were like, okay, Here's the toolkit on how to really customize your powers. So when I play D and D and other like games, I'm not really like one of those like munchkiny like how do I get the most pluses on my sword kind of players. But something about superhero RPGs brings out the uh, the inner accountant in me, and I, I I devoured that book. And there was a time when I could have like statted something like stat a power top to bottom no problem because I I loved the, the customizability, but um, eventually the swinginess got to me and there were um, some issues with how the system kind of kept balance. It had what was called a power level system where uh, your, your bonuses couldn't go beyond a certain point. So you could have uh, standard power level was 10, which meant you could only have a plus 10 attack and a plus 10 damage bonus and plus 10 on your defense and plus 10 toughness. And you could kind of, change those numbers a little bit. Like you could have 11 defense and 10 and nine toughness or 12 attack, eight damage and back and forth like that. But um, it became pretty clear that most people like put those numbers right to the right to their limit. And then there were some things that like never really came up. Like there were feats that would give you bonus damage in certain situations. And it was never as much as you'd hope it would be. And it was still limited by by the power level limit. So it's like, so my friend here is doing ten damage all the time, and I can do ten damage, but only when I'm sneak attacking somebody, or only when I'm angry, or only when I'm throwing something. And well, I mean, that's
0: when you just pull the Bruce Banner and go, "Well, I'm
1: always angry." Yeah. So it was, but there were basically, eventually, I ran into the walls of the system, and it kind of, I kind of said, "Well, maybe there's a better option out there," and that's. Um, what eventually led me on to uh, Wild Talents. So, uh,
0: Wild Talents. This is one I'm not familiar with. So, um, tell me, tell me about Wild Talents. Um, you know, where did this game come from? What's its relationship to Mutants and Masterminds? Of oh, what's what's this one all about?
1: Okay, so Wild Talents originally came from a game called Godlike, which is another superhero RPG that I haven't gotten a chance to play because it's kind of like the beta draft of wild talents and you know, why move back when I can move forward. So basically uh, it uses an engine called the one roll engine, which uh, is a dice pool system where you roll a number of D 10s between one and 10, and you're looking for matches on your dice. So for instance, if I rolled my dice and I got three sixes, it would be a three by six set. Basically what the, what the sets tell you is first, how, well did you do so that's the 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 face of the die so uh for that pre, for three sixes the the height is six which is like middle of the road you want higher higher is better so um and then the width of the roll the number of dice in the set determines speed and power so a set that is four ones goes off really fast but it's really poorly done so for instance, if you're like searching a crime scene, four ones would would be finding no clues very quickly, while two tens would be finding finding all the clues but taking a little bit more time. Okay. Now in combat, it changes a little bit, where the height of the roll determines where on the enemy you're hitting them. So uh, ten is the head, seven to nine is the body, five and six is one arm reinforce the other arm and one and two are each of the legs. The width of the roll determines how much damage you do. So a three set would do three damage. And the one roll engine is kind of it's used in a lot of other systems. Uh the other uh major superhero one is a game called Better Angels where you play supervillains who are possessed by demons. It's kind of interesting but i've i've only had limited experience with it and it's it's real weird because it's uh all morality based it's if you're into kind of weirder rpgs it's something you might want to check out but uh wild talents is is my is my go-to superhero game at this point it's um the main thing with wild talents is that as much as it was fun to customize powers in munits and masterminds it all eventually came down to you know, is my is my damage bonus high enough to overcome the other person's toughness save? And all the attacks ended up feeling very samey at the end.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely kind of the legacy of 3.5 in there, um, where where at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you have as long as your number is bigger than theirs.
1: Yeah. So, for example, a fireball and a lightning bolt of in the end do hit points worth of damage. And it doesn't really matter which one you use, as long as you use the one that gives you the most damage. And yeah. but wild talents is a lot more customizable. One thing you can do with the dice system is there are special dice that you can swap out for regular dice, and they don't—they don't, they aren't actually physically different. Um, it's just like how they work. So um, there are hard dice, which are dice that are set to ten automatically. Huh. So. Um, and in the rules, anytime you're buying a hard die, uh, this is, again, another point-based system, You uh, a hard die always costs twice what a regular die would cost. Okay. And then there are wiggle dice, which let you set a number after you roll, huh. which costs twice what the hard die costs. So, generally speaking, hard dice are really more used for powers that are kind of always on like armor or like flight or things that you don't really want to be rolling every single turn when you're using them.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So it's, yeah, the they're supposed to be more of the passive ability.
1: Yeah. So uh, a standard thing is to create a power with two hard dice with that has a duration of permanent or endless that it's just, you know, this is always on for me. I, uh, I always have armor. My armor doesn't turn off
0: yeah, I, I always am in super strong with the armor, yeah. Yeah. Or I can always fly should I need to.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so one of the things you can do, though, is there's a variant of hard dice where instead of having it set to 10, you set it to a number before you roll. Um, it's also how the called shot mechanic works where you uh, drop a die from your die pool and you set a die to a specific number beforehand. You're like, I'm trying to hit that number. So... When you combine all these different kind of dice, you can create really interesting things. So one of my friends was playing kind of a gangster street level kind of superhero, and he he wanted a specialized martial arts skill that was really good at breaking people's legs. Okay. So you can actually make a power that's like, okay, so you've got one of these specialty dice that that you set beforehand and you put a condition on the power that says you can only set this die to a leg position. So it's like, okay, so it's always going to be set to one or two. And then uh the other dice in the, he, he rolls. And if he gets that, uh, if those dice end up matching, he does like massive damage to somebody's legs. Or um another thing you can do is if you have a power, that's kind of more like a shotgun, you can say my power has scattered damage. So instead of, Hitting one location for a lot of damage every time I hit, I roll a location for each individual piece of damage, and it hits them in different places.
0: Okay. Yeah, you could you could use that with like a speedster and just doing like a flurry of blows kind
1: of deal. Yeah, that's uh that's actually one of the things I, I I've done before, and uh, my players were not very happy with it because the uh, <laughs> they took a lot of damage very quickly with that. Um, the the other thing about uh. While Talents of the One Roll Engine is instead of the standard uh, thing of it's my turn, I do my action. It has a declare phase and a resolving phase. So uh, you declare in a the order of whoever has the uh, lowest sense first. So the people who are least observant will say what they're doing that turn first, and then the more observant people get to know what everybody else is doing before they choose their action. So re- when I remember when I was talking about sp- how width equals speed earlier when you everyone rolls off their rolls you then resolve in speed order with the widest set going off first and the small sets going off last if you have a speedster you can put extras onto your power that say well my attack doesn't do a lot of damage but it goes off really really fast um and the good thing about an attack like that is whenever you take damage uh your character flinches so they lose a die from their highest set. Okay. So if you get hit two or three times, you're probably not going to have a set left when when you're uh, when your action comes around because you've basically flinched all of your actions. On the other hand, you could have a character who's really tough so they don't take, so they're really well armored and they don't take a lot of damage. So they don't have to worry about flinching, but their attacks can like go off really slow, but do a lot of damage. Everyone
0: else in the world will hit before they get to move. Yeah.
1: I've played five, six campaigns in this system now, and there's a wide range of things you can do. So um, in the current uh, campaign that my podcast is uh, posting right now, which wild talents, But instead of playing superheroes, we are playing uh, cops in a world where supernatural beings called myths have appeared. So we've got like trolls and minotaurs and elves and dwarves, and they just kind of all showed up. And all of our characters are uh, cops who have the power to make contracts with these myths and gain supernatural powers from them. So my character, he got a kind of a guard dog spirit as his as his partner um, and the power he got was he can yell an order at someone. And if they don't comply in the next round, they are knocked on their ass and, and take a bunch of damage and they take uh, a penalty to their next action. So he literally will go into places, pull out his badge and yell police freeze. And if they don't do it, they all get knocked on their butts.
0: (laughs) That's, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, really flexible and um, yeah just really like it uh, it's a little bit hard to get your head around like the the system so uh, one of our one of the uh, other people in our in our group is actually writing up a like a beginner's guide to wild talents that we're gonna be posting on our website for nice yeah because it, it isn't this it, it's very different from the standard D and D 5th edition, you know, yeah, you know, roll initiative, take your turn, then your turn's over, and then you know, so on and so forth.
0: That is very cool. Um, we're gonna jump over to the third system, and this is a, a game called Base Raiders. And uh, just kind of what I've what I've gathered perusing perusing some of these systems is what what really stood out to me. Again, I haven't played this one. Um this isn't one that mechanically I'm familiar with. This one I think has the most distinct setting, kind of default setting overall, where like the premise of the world is the most distinct out of all five of these games we're going to look at today. And it's just it seems like a really really interesting idea. Um are are you familiar with the with the setting behind Base Raiders?
1: Uh yeah. I I am very familiar. I'm actually currently uh not for our podcast, but just some friends online. I'm running a, uh, a campaign of base raiders, and we're. It is a very interesting setting. Uh, the setting is basically that about a year before the start of any campaign, all of the superheroes and supervillains in the world disappeared in what's called the Ragnarok event, and there was initially a mass panic as you know all the superheroes are gone. And people realized they weren't going to, like, you know, pop back in at the end of the half-hour episode. Then there was a kind of a clamping down on, like, the government's trying to get a hold of this situation. Now that all of these heroes and villains and superpowered people were missing. And then um, what started happening was people started finding, like, the superheroes' bases. And being like, well, you know, Gotham's a real fool still. And I just found the Bat cave, so why don't I be Batman?
0: <laughs> I love that idea that it's just like this just random dude wanders into a base and goes, "I can use this," and that's who the characters are in the game. That's just so good to me, like that's such a from a story perspective that is such a good hook
1: the The creator of the game said he specifically wanted to create a setting where. The origin story wasn't, oops, a superpowered thing happened to me, and now I am superhero. He wanted uh, characters to be very deliberately, I want these powers, so I'm going to go to these places and get these powers. Damn the consequences.
0: That's fantastic. So this is probably the most distinct setting out of all five. Um, The rest of them tend to be very much just kind of like... You're in the default, not Metropolis, because Metropolis is trademarked, and not Gotham, because Gotham's trademarked, but you're in that place. We all get it. Wink. Uh, But this one's really distinct, so what are the mechanics like in this game?
1: The mechanics for base raiders is very, um, it's based on Strange Fate, which is a variant of Fate, which is the game with the weird dice with the pluses and minuses on it. Um, basically... It was originally used in another superhero game called Kerberos Club, which was like a Victorian superheroes game. It's again a, a point based character creation game where, but instead of having like stats and skills and all kinds of different like categories for things, it really comes down to there are skills and then there are strange skills. And strange skills are basically powers, and those are created using a kind of weird flow chart where they took every effect they wanted to have in the game and they drew lines between them and said, okay, if you want to get, let's say, super strength and super jump, you have to start at one of these two powers and then trace the line and every line you hit and every additional power you hit along the way, you're going to have to pay an extra point for that. And like, you can choose to like skip powers and not pay for the point. So let's say that between super strength and super jumping, they have, like, climbing in the middle. You could say, okay, well, I don't want to climb, but I want a super strength and a super jump. So that's going to be two lines and two powers. So that's going to be four points, let's say. And then the, the really interesting thing they did was they said, all right, well, instead of everything kind of working off a straight numbered, like, like a how many pluses system, they said, okay, well, what sometimes... A superpower should just be better than a regular thing, even if you aren't super skilled at it. So, having a plus two in super strong is better than having a plus five in strong. And the way they kind of uh, mechanically represent this is there are tiers of skills. So, it's mundane is regular people. Exceptional is like kind of the edge of where uh, you know normal it's humans could have. Yeah, it's it's the Batman level. Superhuman, which is you know probably kind of your Marvel Captain America, yeah, enhanced basic humans. Yeah, um, then you get to Ascendant, which is getting into your like Wonder Woman, Superman tier thing, and then finally Godlike, which is for when he's not being a wuss. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty accurate description. Um, and how that works is so normally, like I said, you have these weird plus minus dice, and they have basically three symbols on them there's a plus on two sides a minus on two sides and two sides are blank and you roll four of these and then add your skill and usually the dice equal out to about zero uh if you have a tier advantage on somebody like if you're rolling exceptional against mundane you take out one of those the weird plus minus dice and you put in a d6 so that die just went from negative one to one to one to six.
0: Oh, so they're all positive faces
1: yeah i like that yeah. So you immediately have a huge jump. So with four fate dice, the highest you can roll is a plus 4. With three fate dice and a d6, your maximum goes up to a plus 9. Yeah, that's a
0: and and in fate and in just kind of the fate system at all, numbers that high are bananas. Yeah. Like that's an insane success.
1: Yeah. And then as you gain more tiers of advantage over people, you replace more of your fate dice with d6s to the point where someone at godlike tier is rolling 4d6 against someone rolling... Plus their
0: skill, and oh my goodness, that's insane.
1: Yeah, so we were talking earlier about making your your superheroes feel super heroic, and there is no feeling like rolling up to a normal person with a godlike tier of convince and saying, I am your god, give me your wallet and then rolling you know 9 on on your on your roll plus your plus 4 skill and the person rolls a negative 2 has one in his skill so it's like you are my god here have my wallet also would you like my car it's just down the street yeah <laughs> yeah that's
0: oh that is that is such a good way to escalate
1: a fate game As a base raider, the the one downside to being a base raider in the base raiders universe is that your entire existence has become illegal, and you might not be considered legally a person anymore. Nice. So the government can do whatever it wants. Yeah. A lot of the setting material goes into things like, this is what the government thinks about you. This is what corporations think about you. This is what crime has been doing since all the superheroes disappeared. And it lays out things like, well, what about magical creatures who aren't legally people? What have they been doing? And it's a, it's a very rich setting. Probably one of the, the better things is the, uh, the creator of the game is still like constantly releasing new content. Um, the, uh, the creator is uh, Ross Payton, and he has his own podcast called RPPR, and they have just started posting a campaign of base raiders so you get to hear oh, the nice. hear the creator run a a campaign of his own system, and it, it's if you want to see what what that game is like, I suggest checking out Gate Nine from RPPR. That it's a it's been a wild ride, and it's only two sessions in. So
0: well, definitely add that to the list of of podcasts you should check out. That sounds
1: awesome. So what's our fourth game? So the fourth game is Masks and. Uh, Given the uh, discussion you had a little while ago about all the different types of Robins, um, I I feel like this might be right down your alley. Uh, Masks is about playing teenage superheroes. I am already on
0: board. Uh, Sign me up. You've already got me sold.
1: This game is run in the Powered by the Apocalypse engine, which is... Uh, based on Apocalypse World and the the basic conceit of any of these games is it's more important to tell a good story than to do a lot of math.
0: Apocalypse Apocalypse games are like the pinnacle of the storytelling game. As opposed to like a D and D that's the pinnacle of crunchiness. Yeah. With the rules. Yeah. Or champions.
1: There's a reason why champions isn't on this list. Yeah, that's on purpose. Um, so so tell me more about masks. Okay. So I uh, ran into masks when it was on Kickstarter. Right, it hit me at that perfect time of I'm just getting into apocalypse world games. I'm and I've always had a love of the teenage superhero genre. My favorite uh, mutant mastermind's expansion book after Ultimate Power was a Hero High, which was just so well written about like teen superheroes and stuff. So. I found the Kickstarter and it said "Teen Superheroes and Apocalypse World Engine." I'm like, well, just have all of my money. This so uh, basically how the how Apocalypse World Engine games work is instead of having a class or a point by thing, you kind of have um, like a little character booklet that explains exactly who your character is uh, with an archetype. So there are ten archetypes in the uh, uh, in the Uh, system so far with another like eight that are in uh, production. So I'm just going to run through them real quick. So um, the first one is the beacon, which is kind of the, the, the unpowered person who's kind of there because superheroes are awesome. And um, okay. So kind of a, kind of a superhero,
0: Jimmy Olsen.
1: Yeah. Or um, the, uh, what the creator said was um, that the, uh, the, one of the major inspirations for for the for the beacon was um, uh, Kate Bishop. Okay, yeah, the, gotcha. And uh, it's also um, people like the new Miss Marvel, people who are just happy to be superheroes. They don't, they're like not, they don't have the best powers. They don't have the the lineage, but they're like, you know what? Superheroing is a thing. I'm I'm really excited to do.
0: Yeah, the world needs a Miss Marvel. I'm gonna step up and do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and then their playbook is all about, so their main thing is they have drives, like actions that they're trying to complete because they're so excited. And uh, one of the main mechanics is that in Apocalypse World Engine is that you pick um, moves, which are basically like things your character can do. And um, you tend to pick moves that like give you experience points for being who your character is. So Uh the beacons drives are all about if I do. So one of them is earn the respect of a hero you admire. And if you do, and if you fulfill a drive, you get to gain an experience or the other thing that uh, specifically for masks is uh, they talk a lot about having influence over people. So because you are teens and you care about what other people think, uh, when people who have influence over you tell you about who you are, they can actually shift your stats around. So if they say, if you, if, you know, Superman comes down after uh, you've had a fight with a villain and said, you guys caused way too much damage. You are huge dangers to the city. He can make your danger stat go up. And then, so it's your character being like, you know, maybe I am a danger to myself and others or, or, and the other thing is that when something goes up, something has to go down. So maybe, that your danger goes up and your mundane goes down cuz you realize you know regular people probably don't destroy whole city blocks in their fights like one of the so one of the things a a beacon who completes one of their drives can do is they can take influence over somebody else but their their main thing is they're happy to be here and they but they aren't like trained or powerful or yeah they really are uh just trying their best and trying to get the approval of all these other heroes that no i i do belong here so uh the next playbook is called the bull which is kind of the wolverine archetype of you were kind of made in a lab you were a kind of uh you're some sort of super soldier weapon thing um and their whole like Dynamic is built around they all have a love or basically the person they care about the most, and they have a rival, the person they kind of hate the most. So uh, for for Wolverine, that's like you know Jean Grey and Cyclops. Grey and Cyclops, yeah, yeah. And you know another like good example of that would be like Superboy from Young Justice, who is kind of
0: oh oh my poor broken Superboy. I love him so much.
1: Yeah, and <sighs> he's just you know kind of angry at everything and doesn't really know where he he belongs but and he doesn't want everyone's approval but he totally wants everyone's approval to like say no or at least superman's approval that
0: poor kid guys go watch young justice it's real good
1: masks is basically what if you wanted to play young justice oh my
0: see that's all anyone has to say and i'm on board that's 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 fantastic. So, so what's the what's the next archetype after the bull?
1: Okay, so the the next archetype is the delinquent, which is basically the this is the Jason Todd, isn't it? Yeah, this is the Jason Todd. This is the f- you dad. This is
0: oh. oh Jason Todd. Uh, you can hear you can hear us talk uh, all about Jason Todd on a previous episode. It was real good. That poor kid.
1: Yeah. Oh. yeah. You know, um, Stephanie Brown. Stephanie Brown is the beacon. That, that's who I should have referenced.
0: Oh my gosh, it's absolutely true.
1: Yeah, uh, somebody on uh, the on the Google Plus page for Mass actually went through and broke down like which Robin is each of the archetypes here. So yeah, the the delinquent is. All about, you know, about bucking authority and like not working with the team, but kind of working with the team. They have a specific like move called, I don't care what you think, where they <laughs> they get a plus two to reject people's influence on them. That's
0: that's absolutely Jason Todd. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. Or they have uh, another move called Troublemaker is when you help a teammate through destructive, criminal, or rule-breaking actions, they get a plus two instead of a plus one. <laughs>
0: Okay, yeah, you, you you sold me real hard on this game. I like it. I, I'm gonna have to play this sometime.
1: Okay, so the doomed is basically Raven from Teen Titans, like absolutely, yeah, yeah. If you if you take a look at the the character picture of her, you just say, oh, that's Raven from Teen Titans. The Janice is Spider Man, the character who has way too many responsibilities, and then also decides I have superpowers. I should be a hero. The legacy is. I'd say probably like Kid Flash or maybe like it's the the person who was like who is part of like a continuing line of people the the example in the book they give is uh is the Tim Tim Drake Robin is a legacy.
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Batman, Nightwing, Jason Todd, Tim Drake.
1: Yeah. 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 Um it's just basically, you know, You are the next person to take up this mantle and all the responsibility that comes with, hey, you're not that other guy, you're the new guy. Okay, yeah, Yeah, that sounds pretty Tim Drake. Um, So the next one is the Nova, which is basically, I have all these powers, what do I do? Help, please. The other example that's uh, also kind of a thing is like, you know, Jean Grey with the Phoenix Force kind of deal. Oh, I have all these powers, and that's real helpful when I need to use these powers. But you know what it's not useful for? Not being a a walking nuclear explosion. That's That's very Jean Grey. So the next one is The Outsider, which is Miss Martian from Young Justice or Starfire from Teen Titans. You are not from Earth, and you are... Kind of learning the ways, but you really like it here. Um, okay, it's all about not quite fitting in and being the outsider in in a group full of weird people already. So the next one is the protege, which is basically Robin. Specifically, this one's the Dick Grayson more than any of the others, uh, especially the the Teen Titans version of Dick Grayson. It it's very much set up to be you are. Uh, you were taken in by a by a hero and trained real hard, probably harder than anybody else. uh you are constantly having you have this relationship with your mentor that can be like positive or can be antagonistic. like do you become your mentor or are you going to go your own way? And then the uh the final uh playbook archetype is the transformed, which is. The person who is no who no longer looks like a a normal person they are monstrous in some manner beast boy yeah probably not the teen titans cartoon beast boy but probably a little bit closer to the um to the uh the beast boy from young justice where he's he's a little bit more animalistic yeah kind of all the time yeah the other example they have is like cyborg from teen titans Oh, okay, yeah. Like somebody who has really real issues with not being human anymore. Like one of their their moves is not human enough. Okay. Um you could definitely make
0: like a Dracula vampire type out of that too.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh,
0: teenage vampires. Please no. No, please. <laughs> Forget I said that.
1: Oh. That's that's for a different series of role-playing games to talk about.
0: Yeah, listen Listen to a Monster Hearts podcast. That'll tell you all about that. That'll be better. <laughs> let's move on to our last game of the night. Um, this is the one that I recommended. It's called Icons. And, um, John, I'm going to let you talk about your, your experience with that game um, here in a minute. Uh, the reason I chose this one was because of its character creation. Um, so let's start there. Um you you played this just recently to kind of get a feel for it so what did you think about the character creation system here
1: it's real fun um right so uh the the character creation system is 100 percent random you just roll on tables and tables and come out with really like weird and interesting characters um
0: you just roll a handful of dice, and that's your character. And it
1: sounds dumb,
0: but it works so well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really does. And, oh man, my group came up with the weirdest things. We had, like, a RoboCop-style, like, security robot. A a vampire LARPer who thought he was a real vampire, but was all gadgets. <laughs> a guy whose power was 90s hacking. um and a demon like pop star yes oh and one character who i'm currently blanking on but i oh right uh, she was like an alchemist character and like it was it, it was the most bananas of a superhero game i have ever run it was I won't say it was well run because I, I did kind of run it off the cuff and we didn't like sit down and study the rules beforehand, but it was, it was so much fun. It was absolutely. That's all that matters. It
0: in, in kind of placing it with these others, like the other superhero systems, um, probably with the exclusion of base Raiders, cause it's kind of its own deal, but the others are very much like mainstream Marvel and DC comics, traditional superheroes. Um, Icons has more similarities. Like, you can run it serious. You absolutely can. You can run it dead serious. Oh, I made an Iron Man clone. Oh, I'm Superman, but painted different. Or, you can turn into the skid like it sounds like your group did, John, and basically play like a Brave and the Bold or Batman 66 style game. And it's just so good.
1: Yeah, it it it's really great. Um, The... The adventure we ended up running was: um, there's a famous sandwich shop in town that names its sandwiches after heroes, and the sandwich owner shop owner got kidnapped, and that was the adventure.
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: Yeah, and, and whoever rescues him gets the sandwich named after him, right? that That was the uh, that was the idea, and um, <laughs> they let me put it this way: the We enjoyed these characters so much that everyone voted that they be added to our, uh, our Wild Talents traditional superheroes campaign. Whoa! As, as minor characters, as, as like, as, like, D-list heroes who were just, like, doing things in the background while our, our, our main characters were, you know, off having, having grand adventure.
0: Oh, that's, that's excellent. Um. Okay, so we we need to we need to focus in because I'm we could tell stories about icons for days. It's just so good. So, so you you take a bunch of d sixes and d
1: tens. I think I think it's just no. There are some d. Uh, hold on, I've got the book open here. Uh. Yeah. So so you have all these
0: tables and it's like um, groupings of powers and you roll to find like the the genre of power and then the specific of the power and then the gauge of the power. And, and so you can end up with, with someone, um, I used to have a, an app on my phone that would let you auto roll characters and you can end up with someone who's like of alien descent, who has the power to shrink and leap tall buildings in a single bound. And it's just like, you have to mix all that together and you throw in some skills that you roll for, and then make a character out of those numbers. And it just, it sounds, look, I think, John, we can both agree, it sounds dumb. And it sounds very, like, 3.5. Oh, I'm rolling for my strength. And my dex. Oh, I got an 18. But at the end of the day, when you can have a guy whose superpower is 90s hacking, come on. <laughs> Yeah. Tell me you don't love that.
1: Yeah, it it was I I went into it being a, a little bit hesitant like I'm not sure I like I've been point by for so long having characters with like with like these really kind of a lot more rigidly defined like this is what this power does and you can only have one of these powers. I was like I'm not sure how this is going to like turn out and then we we just like jumped in and ran with it and it's It's probably the most fun I've had in character creation in a long time.
0: And that, like, okay, when you actually get into combat, like, it's kind of of standard run-of-the-mill, my number's bigger than yours, but the character creation part of it and just being able to take this wacky spread of powers and degrees of powers and have to try to make a viable superhero with that and really the way it encourages you to do that is with the story. So you're like, oh, okay, um, I've got a lot of gadgets. That's that's my theme is gadgets. Um somehow I can walk through walls and telepathic and I can I can also climb on walls. So I guess I have built-in radio communication, like an implant in my head, and I have boots that change in my density to let me walk through walls and gloves that have super sticky surfaces on them so I can climb the walls. Like, that's that's what it encourages you to do. It's, uh, yeah, I, John, uh, the mechanics of it, once you get into it, are a little little typical, right? Like, they're just kind of the standard.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are very standard, and there's a lot of, you know, roll to hit a thing, and then you do this amount of damage, and if you take this amount of damage, you're knocked out of the fight, and um like as bonkers as character creation was the rest of it is a little bit standard ish um honestly what i might be more interested in doing in the future is using the character creation section to build it to like say okay this is like your character's concept and then build it in another system that has a better like combat mechanic
0: yeah and and i would i would absolutely agree with that like I think Icons is an amazing book for its character creation and for the, just the sheer like, mind boggling number of options that there are because they don't spell out the options. Yeah. like That's, that's, that's what it is. It tells you that you're kind of where your powers come from and what specifically you can do to what degree. And then it sets you loose. Um, so john tell us a little bit about the the game you ran not not anything spoily because i know it's going to be an episode of your podcast so what was kind of your your big takeaway from
1: it like of icons um i i think my main well the the session is very very short it's uh like an investigation and then a fight and then it's kind of done. We spent most of the night kind of building up our characters, which we also recorded. So that's probably going to go up with the, uh, with the recording of, of the game itself.
0: Oh, I bet that's probably, probably just as much fun as the actual game.
1: Yeah. Um, But it's, uh, we, we kind of, um, we went into it with a, a very non-serious attitude about the game. I mean, we had a nineties hacker.
0: (laughs) I still just love that so much.
1: Yeah. I'll say that, like, as far as, like, the actual, like, mechanics of the game, it's a little, um, it's it's also a very swingy system because how, how it works is you roll two d6s and you subtract one from the other and that and add your, like, add your skill rank to it and it's... Or your power rank to it, and that's your number. So you can get things like where you're rolling at a negative five, and I mean, theoretically it evens out to zero, but it like unlike fate, it kind of swings really far in one direction or the other.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely there's not going to be a middle ground ever with it. Like you're either going to just catastrophically fail or succeed really really well.
1: Yeah, and um, all the um, it, it felt. I might have just gone and, like how the system works wrong, but it felt like the um like when people were attacking the the bad guys, the bad guys fell really quickly, like they they had very little resistance during that fight. Even the the bigger batter character like kind of got dog piled on. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that that's that's one of that's one of the downsides of the system is you have to be really careful with your with your uh, encounter creation as well. Um, But seriously, if, if, if nothing else, you can, you can definitely just have a good time with the character creation. Um, So that's icons. Um, John, um, why don't you uh, real fast? um, We're going to, we're going to kind of wrap up here. Um, So why don't you tell us not only where people can find you online, but where they can find
1: your new podcast. You can find me online at, at JFan999 on uh on Twitter. And uh our podcast is at lttncast. cast. We are uh listen to these nerds. Uh we're also on listen to these uh, though we're having some issues with our site right now. Hopefully by the time this comes up, we've, we've figured it, everything out. Uh, and we are also on iTunes. Uh, uh, just search for listen to these nerds and, uh, hopefully we'll pop up. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to that. Uh, so John, thank
0: you for coming on.
1: Hey, uh, thank you for having me. I'm always up to ramble aimlessly about superhero role-playing games. Uh, it's what I'm known for.
0: <laughs> you can find us on the internet at fifthdraw.com, follow us on Twitter at fifthdraw, or email us at social at fifthdraw.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Hoodley. If you enjoyed this episode, why not give us a rating and a review, or maybe tell a friend? Getting the word out helps us immensely. Our music is Arcade Montage by Lee Roosevelt and can be found at the Free Music Archive. That's all for this week. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode. And hey, thanks for listening.